Hi and welcome to FYR, your premier auditory stop for the most highbrow, cine-literate chit-chat, where we look at old movies to see if they're up there with the finest in unheralded neo-modernist noir Polish art house pictures, or just a bunch of oh-so-basic diehards. These are my very own Lumiere brothers, a pair of real <laughs> multiplex gurus, my friends from another mayor. Simon and James, how are you boys? I'm all right, as Lloyd Grossman had a stroke. <laughs> I think, you know, I don't know whether it did he go a bit camp at the end, I think, I'm not sure. <laughs> it did a lot, Rob. It was a real journey, that, to be honest. It was a little bit. I think he needs a bit of a character name, that that new friend, Tarquin Shovelface, the elitist movie turd. <laughs> That took me straight back to university there. Uh, I won't name names, but uh, I think I know who that was. <laughs> yes, there was a very definite suggestion yeah. there. <laughs> For the uninitiated, uh, Simon had pretty much a stand-up argument with one of our lecturers that Die Hard was a brilliant film when she was trying to dismiss it. It was, it was great. We knew, I knew we'd be friends forever yeah. after that. It was so early on as well, like, talk about putting your chips down. Oh, no, I was just I like, no. <laughs> it was absolute honestly. It, and, you know, and obviously we've been dining out on it ever since. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, chaps, what arty feasts have you been swilling on like dirty little piggies this week? I mean, I've mainly been watching CNN, but... Uh... <laughs> Yes, haven't we yes. all? Oh, historic stuff, but uh, enough of that. Speaking of dirty little piggies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, dirty big piggies. <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk movies yes, instead. Yes, let's, let's. Yes, so uh, last night I was having a flick around, which is something that people don't tend to do anymore. You don't flick around and just catch a movie when it's on. And I came on to Comedy Central, and it was quite appropriately playing Twister, which is one of the most (laughs) hilarious films I've ever seen in my life. And I can't believe we haven't done it on this podcast yet, because it absolutely qualifies. And I had an absolute hoot with that fantastically entertaining, terrible film. It was wonderful. Every time we have a record, my uh, other half always says, like, are you doing Twister yet? Can we watch Twister? (laughs) (laughs) One of her favourite movies. She absolutely loves it. We'll get to it. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll get to it. There was a lot of back and two uh, texting last night, wasn't there, about the joys of it? So, so many joys. (laughs) The disgusting heart attack on a plate where they go to that woman's house and she makes everyone steak and eggs for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Heart attack. From cows she slaughtered herself. I don't know if they were victims of tornadoes as well, like everybody else in this movie. But but another one I wanted to shout out, because there was another uh, significant historical event in the past week so it's been a week hasn't it since uh the late shirt since sean connery passed away it has yeah and i fancied watching a a film of his that i hadn't seen before and i was surprised at myself that i hadn't seen this but the film was the hunt for red october uh, which is directed by john mctiernan of uh die hard fame mm. um and, and basic and basic yes and rollerball which ended his career and sent him to prison but... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a it's an old fashioned submarine thriller brimming with suspense, and if it's missing the bombast of McTiernan's other work, it more than compensates for the lack of explosions with an excellent cast led by the, an impressive uh, Sean Connery and his equally impressive toupee. <laughs> Lovely toupe in that movie. <laughs> excellent stuff. Lovely. So yeah, my two from this week. Um, I have to say, I've not seen Hunt for an October either. It's really good. I would like to see it. 
I always get mixed up with that and the Gene Hackman one. What's the Gene Crimson Hackman Tide is better. Yeah. Crimson Tide. Yeah. Is Crimson, Tide <laughs> Crimson Tide is a lot more thrillery. Right. Uh, in terms of, it's a lot more, it's more, it's a Bruckheimer production, Tony Scott directed, Denzel. It's, it's real, it's really slick. Crimson Tide, but Hunt for Red October is also good. It's a Jack Ryan movie. Yeah. Is it? I didn't know that. Uh, with Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan until he was later replaced by Harrison Ford. Wow. It's not often you get replaced by an actor who's older than you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it did not go well. <laughs> That's the suggestion. He's absolutely fine in it. He's just not the star of the movie. He's just, it's all about Connery, really. Chris, what about you, Si? What have you been swilling on? Um, I think James had mentioned this on a past episode, but I watched Doctor Sleep this weekend, and um, I'm really not expecting it to be as good as it was. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I loved it. It's a more than worthy sequel to like what I think is one of the greatest films ever made, and it somehow manages to be completely faithful, but then also massively different to its predecessor. I loved it. I just thought it was really good. I, Amazing. Re- very long. Did you watch the director's cut? I didn't because. The it's come on now TV, yeah. so I watched it on there, but it's only got the theatrical cut, so I didn't watch the director's cut. I have heard that's worth watching though, but I've only seen the theatrical myself so far. I want to check out the director's. Yeah, the theatrical's two hours twenty five. Yeah. so I think the, Sheesh. yeah, it's a it's a long one, but it's it's very good. And I'm not massively keen on you, McGregor usually, but he's he's very good in this. Nice. And yeah, it's great. It's Really, really good. I was very surprised at how good it was, actually. Um, but then also, I wanted to shout out um, a short film. My filmmaker mate, Justin, uh, he sent me a link to a short film by um, someone called Natalie Erica James, who's a Japanese-Australian writer-director. This year, she made a feature film debut with um, a film called Relic, not a remake of the Tom Sizemore classic. <laughs> I don't want to know about it, then. No, I do, I do. Tell me, <laughs> tell me all about it. Well, that was her feature film debut, but this is a short she did quite quickly after that came out um, called Drumwave, and it's a real creepy, creaky Japanese folk horror uh, about a young pianist who marries into an island community in Japan who have this like weird bizarro fertility rituals it's a short film it's only like 10 minutes long but it's got a it's got a bit of the ben wheatley and robert eggers about it like it's that sort of really weird creepy vibe rather than being like scary but it's just shot so beautifully and put together like really well with like real confidence so yeah proper top draw filmmaking so oh nice natalie erica james Keep your eye out for that name, I think, in the future. Absolutely awesome. Thank you. Can we um, uh, shout her out on the Twitters as well? I think she's on Twitter, but she's, she, she says on there that she's usually she's on the Instagram. So I think she's one of the younguns. Oh, who, oh, dude. oh bless. <laughs> she's lost to us then. <laughs> yeah, her Instagram account's great. It's, it's very arty and lovely, great shots on there. So yeah, she's it's great. It's a really, really good little shot. It's on, it was on Vimeo, I think, called Drumwave. Nice. So yeah, check that out. Awesome, awesome. Um, yes, for myself this week, um, I watched Dora and the Lost City, which was the <laughs> Dora the Explorer movie, live action, with uh, lovely Michael Pena, and uh, <laughs> and he is absolutely brilliant in it, and so is Eva Longoria, uh, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, the kids all absolutely lapped it up. It's like Indiana Jones for wee ones. Speaking of Indiana Jones, I showed my eldest the Temple of Doom, which is not <laughs> for kids. <laughs> Let's get that very clear. Dom, dom, shimai, dom, dom, shimai. It is not for 
Ricketts. It's the most violent one, isn't it? And it's just horrendous. I like... didn't. It's absolutely disgraceful. <laughs> but I did watch another thing, and it was called Roadhouse. <sighs> I've been waiting all week, Rob. You, uh, obviously, you weren't here last week to savour it. Um, no. For the pod, but I'm so glad you watched it. I I am devastated I wasn't here. Um, this is bittersweet for me, this, because me and Roadhouse could have had years of happiness up to this point. I'm talking White House and a picket fence levels of, of bliss. Um, but, uh, you know, I think considering we've met so late in life, we're going to have to make the most of the time we have left. Um, I flipping loved it. If you like booze, bars, brawls, bruises, butts and <clears throat> boobies, uh, you have come to the so right. Place. <laughs> um, what a flipping movie! Um, I, if I was, I mean, even now at thirty-seven, I was just, I'm in mind loving it. Um, at seventeen, <laughs> if I'd have seen this, I think it might be it, it, this and Hard Target would be my two favorite films of all time. Possibly, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, it's that much. I'm not even going to touch the sartorial qualities of this film. Um, what yeah, I would we like... couldn't possibly fit it into this episode. Well, no, no. <laughs> um, I I would like to just make a quick shout out to um, Michael Kamen on soundtrack duties. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. Doing a little bit of his um, plucked finger strings from License to Kill. Let's go full circle. License to Kill is the best James Bond movie starring Dalton. (laughs) (laughs) It all makes us happy. Um, A few weeks ago, gents, we were talking about uh, where people in the world of cinema had gone. Um, And there was one particular titan of the late 90s where we just did not know where this person had got to, who's not about anymore. I found him. Can I just read this to you? Yep. Chapter 2. We should split up, go our separate ways. There's going to be a price to pay when the law finds out about this. Billy Tawson stood by the burnt farmhouse, his prematurely grey hair in contrast to bits of charred embers clinging on his dark tailored jacket. Damn it all to hell! I didn't mean for this to get all crazy. Where in Christ's sake is Weatherford? This is Payback at Morning Peak... By Gene Hackman. (laughs) (laughs) He is now a sort of Western thriller writer. And I bought his book. I'm holding it up for everyone to enjoy. Um, Sorry for mangling your words there, Gene. But, um, yeah, absolutely outstanding, this. Um, And I'm going to swill all over this. It just looks really, really lovely. And it looks so... Dull and official. <laughs> Dull but very dull and official. <laughs> like it was bought in bulk by a local high school. <laughs> it looks like Western clip art. <laughs> yes. Smudgy horse dude. Yep, we have that. Um, so, yeah, we found him, tracked him down, and he's released a couple, and I may or may not have in, uh, ordered in his entire bibliography since finding this. How many books has he written since he stopped acting? Um, he's written two thrillers um, about, I think, ten years apart, and um, he's co-written a few other sort of, like, historical japes, I think. I'm not quite Incredible sure. Incredible stuff from Gene. It's what a just lovely mega, retirement. Um the question this week that we uh, was on our the tips of our tongues for discussion is that does that even work? We'll go with it. Um, came from James. James, go for it. Yeah, so we're recording from the grip of lockdown two point here in the UK. So the question simply is, which are the sequels that you've enjoyed the least? 
<sighs> I find this tough. Because if I know a sequel's coming out and it looks like it might suck the big one, I just avoid it like the plague. <laughs> Although I did try to rent Son of Mask this week because the kids really like the first one. And we watched the trailer and even the kids were like, well, no. that doesn't look very good. <laughs> yeah, look Jim right. Carrey's not in it, so I'm just not interested. Yeah, yeah. Although, when you know, like, um, at the minute, obviously, whenever you go out, you need to take a mask with you, don't you? So everyone in the house now is shouting, I was just looking for... My mask! (laughs) (laughs) No, I struggled here. Sai? I did struggle with this one, but whenever this question, whenever I get sort of asked this question in the wild, um, I always have one which comes straight up. The Matrix sequels. I just hate them so much. (laughs) But... I haven't seen them since they were released and I do need to revisit them because I might have I might get a bit more out of them now I'm a bit older and a little wiser. One I, which I do enjoy which uh, was a surprise. I watched it yesterday randomly. Adam's Family Values is an amazing sequel. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. And I was just like um watching it and just never noticed how good the script is like it's so funny like it's just proper cutting and like really snipey and like themes that aren't for children but they obviously go over kids heads because all kids are doing is watching the the funny hand run around or the the, (laughs) you know the sight gags and and, and those sort of jokes and they miss all the the good dialogue in it it's 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 a, such a good film. It's really rather rude. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. the 90s. You could get away with all sorts in kids' films back then. Uh, do whatever right. you want. Yeah. I, I remember when I, was, when I was a kid, I really fancied Joan Cusack in it, who's the one who <laughs> marries Festa. Oh, yeah, she's the baddie, isn't she? In the set? She's yeah, the baddie she is, in yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was really funny. But, yeah, that was a good <laughs> one I watched. But, yeah, the, the Matrix. I need to watch them again, but... Oh, my God. I think that's the worst film I've seen in the cinema, the third one, Revolutions. Yeah, not, I mean, uh, when you say me. sequels, are we because we're on lockdown 2.0 now, aren't we? I mean, not I don't yet jump on the 3.0, gun. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we're not on, on version 3 yet. So I, I, in my thinking, I kept it to 2. When I thought about it, there's loads of stuff that I've just stayed clear of that I thought will be terrible. Like, apparently Blair Witch 2 was terrible, Book of Shadows. Um, Evan Almighty apparently was terrible. Um, Hangover 2, these are the ones that I... Hangover 2 is really bad, actually. Really? It's, really it's one offensive. of the worst films I've ever yeah. seen. It's just <laughs> over the top and really offensive. Oh, no. Like, this isn't even funny. They, like, murder a guy. Like, uh, it's it's horrendous. It's so, so uh, bad. <laughs> um, what I will go with, there is one I have seen which I really didn't like. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Is that two or is three? That the third? That's the third one. That's the Was third there, one. Did yeah. I miss the second one? Oh, well, I can't have it. Sorry. I hated <laughs> absolutely hated that one. <laughs> That's the one where he's got a kid, isn't it? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm appalling. Basic Instinct 2 was bad. That was bad. Yeah. Well, there was a um, Basic Instinct 2? What, what yeah. Yeah, David Morrissey's in it. Yeah, really? I think you said Neil, Mor- Neil Morrissey was in it. He was That would have made it better. <laughs> that would have made it better. <laughs> Uh, what yeah. about you, James? What, what have yeah. you got? Because this is a this is a neutral. Because we're not usually on for the the, the, uh, the but it's quite no. fun now again to point out rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're sequels, you know. So they've already they're already piggybacking on a successful predecessor anyway. So I think they're fair game. Yes, they're only being made for commercial reasons for the most part. These this two is that true. I picked are this anyway. Um, 
So, speed two, cruise control, no Keanu, no party. Um, <laughs> I mean, cruise ships aren't associated with speed and there isn't much to crash into on the open ocean. So, what is the fucking point at all? What a waste of everybody's time. Willem that's, Dafoe that's... is a really good bad guy in it, though. He's, he, like, puts leeches on himself and stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> <It's> so... <laughs> he goes, like, full Dafoe in it. He's, yeah. he's oh, yes. bonkers in it. It's great. It's certainly more high energy than the than the vehicle that they're on. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. <laughs> um, but the one for me, which was probably the biggest disappointment I've ever had in the cinema. Uh, and not because I think the original film is the greatest film ever made, just that it was made with love and fun and was a real defining blockbuster of the 90s. And it's Independence Day Resurgence. It's just terrible. It's an appalling film, top to bottom. Nobody's asked. The effects are bobbins. And it, it's zero fun. Ugh. Honestly, the movie is so bad that Will Smith chose to do Suicide Squad instead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that do you wow. know? Uh, I I had actually booked tickets to go and see that, and then I saw you really didn't like it, James, and then I cancelled. The- <laughs> did you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't bring oh. myself to go. I did you a massive favour there. I um I really liked it. Oh, you kidding? No, I liked oh. it. Yeah. Um, I I didn't. I mean, it wasn't as good as the first, obviously, but um, I I I mean, it it definitely wiled away a couple of hours. Um, oh, I thought it was appalling. I, it was <laughs> I, so it I think that one of one of the um, the mainstream um, newspapers, like I think it might have been like the Guardian, Guardian or the Independent, gave it four out of five and said it's an amazing sequel. <laughs> and I was proper pumped to go and see it, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was all right. Yeah, I seem to remember. But I'm definitely going to have to revisit this because now you mentioned it, I cannot remember a single thing about it, <laughs> which should probably tell me something. It just looked like everyone was backed by contractual obligation or because they had nothing better going on at all. Like, just complete lack of effort. They couldn't even get the main star back from the first (laughs) movie. Didn't they get... Wasn't Pullman in it again, but he was in maniac mode? Like, with a big beard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They did his character dirty. And everyone stood in front of these weird green screens where they're supposed to be outside of the White House and it just looks really shoddy and stuff. Yeah, it was. I I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was poor. After we finish recording tonight's double bill, is Roadhouse again and Independence Day (laughs) Resurgence. (laughs) I'd definitely make Roadhouse the second one so that you could end on a high. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Super stuff, fellas, super stuff. Um,. Shall we do tonight's film? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, let's have a little logline, okay? When a cragtacular hardman is approached by the feds to go and kill Bigfoot because he's oozing weapons-grade levels of biohazardous materials, he's forced to relive the other main bugbears of his life, namely lost love, and that one time he was asked to go and kill Hitler to end World War II. <laughs> of course, this is 2018's Robert D. Krasikowski film, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. Yes, that is the real title of this film. My grandfather used to tell me stories all about this one soldier. As he got older, the stories got stranger. Some I believed, others I don't know. But it wasn't describing a man. Wallet, keys. It was more like something mythic, legendary. (laughs) 
You didn't pull any swords from any stones, did you? But you might have done something. Something bigger, maybe. So how have you been? You look a little tired. What's bothering you? Things I could have done differently. Regrets. Now I shot someone during the war. I never wanted that. Even if he had it coming. And he did. You've heard about the killings up north? What's the FBI have to do with it? Imagine all our worst fears about influenza in humans. Bovine, swine, all of it coming true to life, only worse. It's the Bigfoot, Ed. They want me to kill it. It's the carrier of this plague-type thing. Well, that's no good. If we cannot contain the beast, if we cannot destroy it and it escapes, it could mean the very end of our world as we know it. You're the last resort. I love how you said, of course, it's the film. No, there's no of course about this. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, this is a real left field one this night. Uh, so, uh, yes, let's let's get to it. Uh, Sam Elliott is harder in this movie than in Roadhouse. Discuss. I mean, that's just not true, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's way harder. (laughs) He's clearly got the transferable skills from Roadhouse in this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, first off, big thanks to our friend Con Frankowski for the help with me with that pronunciation of the uh, director's name there. Um, Because I remember a couple of episodes ago uh, mangling it to all hell. uh, Con came to the rescue. So big thanks, Con. so why did I pick this movie? Well, after our abominable episode, and that's a film, not just a bad episode we did. <laughs> a long-time listener and friend of the podcast, Simon Buick, slid right into my DMs with this suggestion. And because of that title, I immediately checked it out. So thank you for the uh, shout here, Simon, and thanks for listening. Um, I immediately loved this movie, and I bought it straight away. It was five ninety nine on Amazon Prime, I believe, at the time. And I thought straight away... Let's have this. We are going to have this. It's definitely within our remit for discussion. So that is my very short relationship with this film, guys. What about yourselves? Um, I have this on Blu-ray. Uh, I bought it when it first came out. Now, do I? I've never heard oh. of this film ever. <laughs> what? Sorry, did you see my face? My little like... face lit up like it was Christmas morning. Honestly, I was so excited. Like you had this and you didn't tell me. Oh. No, no, of course I had never seen this film before. Um, I can't believe that with it. With a title like this, I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it actually. But um, yeah, complete, complete fresh off the boat for me. This one, nice, Jane. Yeah. So, um, funnily enough, I had seen this on Netflix and just put it in my watch list and completely forgot about it because you know it's it's an intriguing title mm. for mm. sure. And it is worth noting at this point, if you are in the UK, it is streaming on Netflix if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, I just planted it in my watch list and it probably would have stayed there forever going unwatched if it had not <laughs> been brought to our attention by you, Rob. Oh, lovely. So essentially and ostensibly, this is um, all fresh for the three of us then in a way, isn't it? 
which we're making a bit of a habit of, which is uh, very exciting for us and for listeners. Um, Had you not seen it before? I'd, I'd watched it when I was when uh, Simon got in in touch with me, but I'd oh, never right, seen it okay, before yeah. that, and that was only a couple of months ago. So, right. and I just watched it this weekend to refresh my memory and yeah. have a have a high old time of it, ready for the record. So, and it yeah. is it's worth noting as well. It is a fairly recent film, yeah. isn't it? It's from twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so, where will I know Robert D. Krasikowski from? Nowhere. This is his feature debut. Excellent. We uh, we do love one of those. So we're really, you know, I'm looking right now at his um, his credits here. Um, he's got a short on there, Elsie Hooper, and then it's this. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And I was quite taken by a couple of um, names within uh, the myriad of executive producers who are on this. Obviously, it's quite a low-budget film, an independent film, mm. so lots of different producers and production houses involved by the looks of things. But two of the producers caught my eye. Uh, Douglas Trumbull and John Sayles. Um, so if you're not familiar with their names, uh, you'd probably be familiar with their work. So Trumbull is best known for his visual effects work on 2001 and Blade Runner and for directing the film Silent Running. And Sayles is something of an independent film legend. Uh, he has mm. twice been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for Passion Fish and Lone Star. I, but I best know him as uh, the guy who wrote an absolutely demented, unproduced screenplay for Jurassic Park 4, which you can find on the interweb. It's one of the greatest screenplays never made. It's <laughs> unbelievable how demented it is. So I would urge everyone to check that out. So there's some you know, uh, pedigree in terms of the producers on there perhaps shepherding this to the screen. Mm. Um, but a lot of the uh, the crew and people behind the scenes are making their first foray into uh, into feature films. Mm, it's very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, I sent it to you without really checking myself whether it qualifies. I was convinced it did based on the fact that none of us had heard it and that sort of heard of it and that sort of like sticks it in our realms of qualification in a sense. Um, but... Do we have any hard figures behind it, James? Yeah, so the film played a few festivals, including uh, Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal, Canada. It also played uh, the Plaza Classic Film Festival and uh, Fright Fest, uh, London. I don't think it had a full cinema release, but according to Box Office Mojo, it made the princely sum of $3,822 worldwide so and that's not us dissing it it clearly just had a simultaneous quick maybe one cinema mm. release and uh went straight to streaming or wherever it had been pre-sold to i have not been able to track down a budget for this film but i think it's safe to say it cost more than three thousand dollars <laughs> 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 If it was three grand and this is a hit, I mean, this is a box office <laughs> smash. <laughs> I mean, if it is three grand, it's the greatest film ever made, but I imagine the three grand on its own just went on lacquer for um, Sam Elliott's impressive moustache. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, like, just taken totally out of context, you know, it's the best film ever made, is what I heard you say then, Jake. So that's the, 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 the on can... that base, on that very specific <laughs> basis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to take that bit and send it to the makers of the film. The FYR says you can have this for the poster. We said this. We said this in the pod. <laughs> um, so I mean, it, it qualifies financially, then, doesn't it? Really, you know. Yeah. 
It must do. It's that, and that's not us making fun or anything like not that. At it's all. a film that's designed either to go straight to DVD or straight to VOD or straight to streaming. And it's probably been pre-sold for TV around the world and recouped probably what the budget was. I mean, I, I haven't got any figures, but I'd say the budget was probably somewhere between five and ten million dollars. Yeah, yeah that, I think that looks about about in there, doesn't yeah. it? Um, so critically, then, Simon, how did we do? Uh, it was a it was a strange one this one because obviously with it being quite a low key release and a low key film, there's not that many reviews knocking around, especially enough to get a good sort of hold on these averages or on your aggregate sites. But um, Rotten Tomatoes has it at seventy five percent on the critical scale, actually. So it's quite, it's pretty high. And then the rest of them are all quite middle of the range. So fifty percent on audience on Rotten Tomatoes, and then Metacritic has got it at fifty one critical and fifty audience. So if you're looking at that, then it qualifies. But Letterboxd, it's got a more than respectable two point nine. Lovely. Again, it's one of those where there's not a whole heap of reviews on there. But there were some good reviews for it. So uh, Ian Freer in Empire uh, gave it three out of five. It said the it's such a mouthful. The title. I know. The yeah. man who killed the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot is a strange but enjoyable mishmash of genres and ideas held together by the gravitas and class of Sam Elliott. And then over in the states, uh, Richard Roper of uh, the Chicago Sun Times, he gave it three out of four and said a strange and original and at times surprisingly lovely bit of folklore. Kudos to writer-director Kruskowski and the production, special effects and set design teams for creating plausible backdrops for a pulpy World War II thriller, a character study and a sci-fi adventure. Nice. Um, and yeah, he gave it three out of four. And then Adam Lowe's of Cineview gave it four out of five. Um, so there are a few good reviews kicking around. There's a lot of bad ones as well <laughs> who, didn't, who had issues with the film, which um, we could we will probably discuss ourselves going on um but yeah it was it was good to see that there were some were some decent reviews kicking around but uh, nice. yeah it, it, quite a big difference between rotten tomatoes aggregate and metacritics aggregate i'm not that sure it's a big one that, isn't it that different I, I wondered about this actually because i think that when i first brought this to your attention both those numbers were much different then, and I think it's simply because it's not been reviewed that much. Yeah, I think And so. uh, if it has a handful of reviews, the swing is pretty heavy, you know, one way or the other, possibly. Um, I take it it's too much to ask to see if the sheriff, you know, wandered in from a Gene Hackman novel to... Uh... Sadly, sadly, Mick did not. Uh, I couldn't find a review of the San Francisco Chronicle. I, I think it passed passed on Mick by. Yeah, he's too big time for these. Yeah, yeah, of course films. Of course he is. Um, I'm just going to take this moment to ask, gents, whether can I um, put old Yeller out? Because the dog is actually shouting at the door to try and get in the podcast booth. Yes, as long as you promise not to shoot him. No, I'm not going to put old Yeller out the hard way. Are you a Bond fan? I mean, really a Bond fan. If you enjoy dreaming of what 1991 and 1993 Tim Dalton films would have looked like, or if you have a degree in Octopussy but still don't know which Fabergé egg is a fake, then the Really 007 podcast is for you. Really 007. We bring an insightful, critical and silly take on the James Bond films. We are proudly part of the Pod Dojo Network and are available for free on iTunes and Spotify. We have regular, in-depth reviews of every Bond film, 
as well as special episodes on different aspects of the series. And some of us are a bit down on the Craig era. Robert. While others are happy to pretend to dislike things just to get cheap laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and join in on the James Bond conversation online. Really WS. So, gents, I feel like we should dive straight into the movie because, you know, as much as I wanted to know all the behind the scenes, ins and outs, I could barely find a jolly thing about it. No, same, same. It doesn't seem, you know, it's probably shot very quickly, this film. Mm. Everyone just flying in and out to, in terms of the actors, everyone just flying in and out to shoot their scenes and then back out again. And then it was, you know, as we say, it did add a short stint on sort of genre festival circuits and then was put out onto onto streaming. Mm, yeah. I was very sad. You know, I wanted stories like Sam Elliott offered the, you know, to choke out the Bigfoot and the Bigfoot pooed in his pants. And <laughs> always, but no, no, there was nothing. There was nothing at all. Because I really wanted to know how they did some of the effects as well. But anyway, let's dive straight in. We open in a completely gorgeous bar somewhere in America. And I'm thinking this could just be a lovely follow-on directly from last week, sort of like Wade Garrett, the resurrection years. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just boozing. Yeah, he's boozing. Is is it set in the 80s, this? It feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, I only clocked it. Right at the end, which I will tell you when we get to that point in the film when I clocked it was set in the 80s. But uh, yeah, apparently it's set in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I was thinking if you do the, the sort of the maths on the, you know, he must be sort of in his 20s, 30s when he's in his early years. Because the, the film's narrative structure is bouncing back and forth between yes. um, the present day of the film, which is, as we know, is the 80s, um, and where the timeline where he's a sort of an embittered elderly gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not your, your stereotypical grandpa figure, is he? <laughs> no. um, and um, yeah, back when um, it's World War Two, and he's uh, uh, trying to, he's involved in the plot to, to, to end the war. And we keep bouncing between the two. And I don't know why I, I was so surprised by this, but I expected Sam Elliott to be, I didn't expect it to have a flashback structure. I expected it because... Based on the title, and I don't think the title does the film any favours no. at all here, and that's probably why a lot of audience scores are lower than you would expect or on the lower end, because it feels like a bit of a bait and switch, mm. to be honest, because it so the title promises of film that this isn't, essentially. Yeah, I do know what you mean, yeah. And I assumed from that title that Sam Elliott, as in this old guy, was going to be the guy who offed Hitler and then went on a separate mission straight away to <laughs> to sort out Off Bigfoot. Big yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was all going to be set in the 40s or whatever. Oh, that would be very cool. And the structure didn't necessarily work for me so much, but we'll, we'll get into that as, as we go yes. along. I, I firmly know what you mean about that. But yeah, I think that's I think the title promises sort of B-movie schlock with a lot of action and maybe tongue-in-cheekness. and. Mm. And the film isn't that at all. It's like I was so surprised by the tone and pace yeah. of this movie based on the title. <laughs> yeah. I had exactly the same thing. Like I just thought the tone did not the tone of how the film was shot and how it sounded, particularly the score, and the themes it was going with did not match up with the the title of it, the the, the poster they've got. 
And then the title card of the movie as well, because after the intro, which we'll go back to, the title card like sort of hard smashes up and it's this yeah ridiculous title. And then it's got like the, the sort of the year in the bottom, like an old like Grindhouse movie, like a B yeah. movie type yeah, film. Yeah. And it's like, that's what you're going for in terms of a design aesthetic. But then the film itself is completely not that. And yeah, it just it, it was a, a massive surprise for me, and it's just, it's just a it was just a total mismatch, wasn't it? Like between what yeah it feels like a marketing team did with what the filmmakers did, uh, you know, to try and sell it with this. I mean, I'm sure if you get a script and it says on the front page the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, you're gonna go, oh, I go read this. This sounds fun. Yeah, maybe that's got it. Got the film noticed, but yeah. It's, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. if you're looking at it from an audience p- perspective, so in terms of, well, like Simon and I, in this occasion, when you approach the film and it's got that title, you're expecting one thing. And I'm not saying this in a negative way at all. And then it delivers something completely different tonally yeah. to what that title promises. I can understand why people would be perturbed by that, particularly if they're banging it on on a Friday or a Saturday night. Yeah, <laughs> expecting like a, a fun, like a good fun B movie, you know, stupid. Romp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it do, it does have those elements, but I just know what you. I know exactly what you mean here. Um, and yeah, I think I think this is. You've hit the nail on the head that the title got it through the door and into production stage. Yeah, and then um, yeah, but it's not about. The, the subject of the title at all. It's a character study. I mean, and it's not a spoiler to say that those things happen in the film. It says it in the title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the title's past tense. <laughs> it's so incidental to the actual tone and what the film is actually about. It almost throws those moments away. So if that's all you've come for is Hitler murder and Bigfoot smackdowns, you're going to be a bit upset. <laughs> <laughs> You get, I mean, you get a great five minutes. You know, yeah, you have a really it literally five in minutes. five minutes. <laughs> because this first, like, the, the sort of flashback thing and the constant flipping between present day and, and the fort in, in World War Two. this intro before that title card is a really good tease for all that. And uh, because when it goes back and we're introduced to, um, what's he called? Calvin Calvin Barr is his yes. character. And we should be introduced to him as a, as a young soldier. And... Uh, Paul Dark himself. I was like, how is, well, yeah. how is he in this? Aidan Turner <laughs> plays uh, young Calvin Barr and he's in a, you know, I was going to say a crisp Nazi uniform. <laughs> 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 he's he's, uh, he's undercover in this Nazi Very well-dressed Nazi. Very well-dressed <laughs> Nazi. Um, and I'm still unsure on the tone here because uh, there's a bit where um, he's being sort of asked to show his papers and take out his guns and stuff and he's as he's going into this this office and the sound effects are all over the place it's like proper like whooshes and and, and i think yeah, there's yeah. a whip a, a whip crack when he when he puts his jacket on it's like whoosh, and you're like oh right so yeah. maybe it is going to be this sort of film yeah and it has these odd flashes where it is this sort of b-movie vibe but it's they're so few and far between and this is yeah. one of one of three i counted in the whole film yeah but the casting of Aidan Turner as young Sam Elliott is very good, isn't it? Oh, like, especially when he's got it? facial hair. And it's just like, oh, oh yeah. does this look exactly like it? Oh, I, I, I totally disagree. I looked, at a, oh. I looked at a photo of Sam Elliott from when he was in Mission Impossible. 
I mean, they're both men and they both have heads, and that's about where the resemblance <laughs> no. begins. No, I thought he had, I thought they had the, the good. Um... I think he got his mannerisms down well as, as well, but they may as well have had the Ralph dog playing him in. <laughs> in I, I, it's, it's so funny you mentioned this, actually. Uh, well, not... Because not... I, I was... When it went to the flashback... Uh, so we start with Sam Elliott and his amazing Tash in this crisp yeah. 80s bar. And then it flashes yeah. back, doesn't it, to Nazi Germany. And I was like, hmm, giving this, giving this, as Simon said, well-dressed Nazi uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of coverage here. I went, oh, that's supposed to be young Sam Elliott. Like, I, I couldn't put the two of them together at all. <laughs> Both incredibly handsome men. And there's nothing wrong with either of the performances. No. I just didn't understand. It took me like a minute to realise that he was supposed to be the younger version of Sam Elliott. <laughs> I think um, I love You know, now we've mentioned this idea that the, the B-movie sort of delivery and that the fact there's my, there is tongue-in-cheek elements that don't always... Like, tonally, it's, it's all yeah. over the shop, isn't it? Yeah. Like, there's, um, you're right. When, when he's emptying all his pockets, you know... It's definitely played for laughs that scene. Like yeah. um, he's got a swastika wristwatch on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. wristwatch. He's got. Um, he's, he empties his pockets, and everything on it's got like, you know, um, all sorts of uh, Nazi insignia on it. It's like he went to the Nazi pro shop before he came. <laughs> <laughs> Just stopped off at the club shop to fill his boots. And it's. I think they have one of them on Donald Trump's golf course. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get little ball markers. Um, MAGA! Yeah, I do like, though, Aiden Aiden Turner then makes a crisp gun from the stuff in his pocket. Yeah, that's Um, very Is this the best Bond gadget since the invisible car in uh, Diamond (laughs) Death? Oh, it's very Bond, isn't it? It's a great little... Great little... uh... What does he make out of a pen... Uh, with like a, a whiskey with a whiskey bottle, the whiskey flask is a silencer. Yeah, yeah that's great. I enjoyed that. That was a lovely. Yeah, I love all that stuff. And and wartime espionage. Oh yeah, give me some of that. Yeah, yeah. and we come, but we we come out of it like it's like a teaser, isn't it? Because he goes into this room and you can't quite see who's in yeah. there. I mean, you're guessing it's Hitler because of yeah. the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, I like I I think it's spoiled this these flashbacks bit by giving it away yeah. in the title I think yeah, I was like they're going to whack Hitler in the first five minutes <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm in for this movie like this is going to be an absolute schlock fest it's great like and then uh, and then it flashes back to Sam Elliott just as he's about to go into what we assume is and later find out is Hitler's office yeah and now, I, now I'm thinking like what if they called this something something totally else like the soldier yeah yeah or, or like, like the, that, you know Anything. The life and times of Calvin Barr or something yeah. like that. Like just <laughs> yeah, something random. Like that. If you want yeah, it yeah. to be long, call it that. Yeah. Um, as much as I love this title, because it's got the words Hitler and Bigfoot in it. Not because I want... I like he loves Hitler. Let's with... click that out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the sheer cojones of having those two things together in a movie title yeah. is outrageous. And it then is, the fact yeah. that it's it's... Stated that they've both been killed by this person <laughs> is is absurd and brilliant. But at the same time, I do know just what you mean. It undersells the film. If we didn't know that he was going to see Hitler, me watching this, I'd have been like, "Oh my god, is that is that Hitler?" You know, I would have been out of my seat. I'd have been doubly out of my seat when he ever, you know, eventually whacks him. You yeah. know, I would have been like, "Oh my god," because I love stuff that rewrites history—not rewrites yeah. it, but gives an alternative take to it. Alternative you know, I love history, that. yeah, yeah. 
alternate history that's it um yeah I, I love all that and then but of course we jump back to sam elliott and you're right the the drama's reduced here because well you know he's gonna kill him there's no real point <laughs> going back title, to yeah. <laughs> yeah it's in the title yeah yeah because when we go back this is where he um a, a trio of little shitbags come to to nick his car don't they yeah yeah just him and iron brew all over the electronics <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> trio of shitbags <laughs> They obviously don't know who they're dealing with, and we don't really know who we're dealing with at this point either, but we get a, an idea of how nails Sam Elliott is when he beats the shit out of all three of them. He weighed Garrett them, doesn't he? He does yeah. weigh Garrett them, um, to the sweet sound of Bill Withers, yeah. who is sadly no longer with us. I just wanted to make that partridge. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what I did enjoy, and it's got to be an intentional nod as well, is he takes the big guy out at the knee there, a la Roadhouse, a la the teachings of Wade Garrett. Yeah, yeah. He definitely, yeah. There's, I still think there's a link here. Like, maybe is Wade Garrett, like, just the sort of, like, mid-late years of Calvin Barr's life, <laughs> <laughs> where he was just, like, a, a cooler for hire? Yeah. Oh, God. It's it. I choose to believe this is part of the extended Roadhouse universe now. Oh, surely. I mean, I mean, there is. I mean, apart from that, Wade Garrett did die in Roadhouse. Yeah, just that's take that, that scene that. out. There and is this that. is set in the same year as Roadhouse when he was demonstrably a much younger man. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> yeah, apart from that, true. it's a sound theory. Oh, that's yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And also, if you could have picked Calvin Barr to go and kill the Bigfoot, you would have just defaulted and picked Dalton to <laughs> right we'll come on to that yeah that Swayze chasing Bigfoot through the in lovely cream slacks <laughs> uh, incidentally sartorial business from the G unit Sam Elliott here um, a lovely flannel shirt this absolutely sensational jacket um, that's like sheepskin collared which he's had since he was a young man ooh yeah I love it He's got a lovely doggy and gorgeous Jimmy Jams. Oh, yeah. He's ace. Nice house as well, I thought, yeah. for a broken man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's very sad, isn't he? We he know, is, yeah. He's very, he's very sad. He's morose, isn't he? Um, and every movement he makes, he looks knackered and weathered, like a bit's going to drop off any second. And Because um, he's got a very mixed-up relationship with himself. You know, he sort of hates himself. He's getting out his clothes at one point, you know, his yeah. army clothes, and then putting them back in, giving himself a telling off and a talking to. Always mangling about with his wireframe glasses. I have to add, I think Barr is a brilliant character, and I think that Elliot's brilliant. He's um, he's so committed to this role, and yes, one of the reviews said it was um, he had just had loads of gravitas, and he does. And the the film would just completely fail if he like phoned this in. Yeah, but he doesn't at all. Like he's really really committed to the material, and he has to do some quite weird stuff later on. (laughs) He definitely does. Yeah, yeah. but. He plays it all a hundred percent straight, and it, it it's great. It's really he's fantastic. Um, could you imagine? You know, speaking about people committing to a role, could you imagine this role being played by Rob Schneider? Uh, <laughs> Rob as, Schneider is uh, the man who killed Hitler, <laughs> the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would have worked. Um, he finds <laughs> he um, he finds a lottery ticket and wants to take it in again. This isn't really explored. It's just like a, a character beat, isn't it? Really, more than anything, yeah. that he doesn't want to claim it. Doesn't want to claim yeah. this, you know. And I think it's um, it's a suggestion that he's quite anti-establishment, isn't he? As well, talking about the, them burning money. You know, it's about 
he gets some change. He's paying for a dog treat, and uh, after he doesn't want to collect on some lottery winnings that aren't his, he's found in the street. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the one of the you know the notes that he plays with is um, burnt, and he's like, you know, oh, they're, they're always burning burning our money or something like that. The authorities, I was like, oh, what? You are a very complicated man. You have a <laughs> you lot are, of yeah. deep seated issues, and I do like that. You know, I do like that because you can see the the cost of his life and his decisions all over Sam Elliott. Mm. Um, and he goes for a haircut with lovely Ed, played by Larry Miller. Yeah. Larry Miller is like the guy who's in every nineties sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He it's, he's not got earnest eyes, Larry Miller. He's no. just got lovely. Lovely little buttons for eyes. He's just yeah. such a lovely little <laughs> Which go wonderfully with his little round face. <laughs> this. He's, like, he's like the Pillsbury Doughboy had Pinocchio treatment and turned right, into a is, real boy. Is, <laughs> we absolutely love you, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Did we just describe a gingerbread man? <laughs> a bald Pillsbury Doughboy with round eyes. <laughs> That's a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) The softest diss ever. He's uh, he's his brother, isn't he? Yeah, Um, he is. That it turns during the conversation that he's his brother, and then you know, if it wasn't for the title, this is where we find out that he's he killed someone in the war. Yes, you had it coming. Yes, and he's having this conversation, and this is where we flash back again, and it's made clear that that's what he's been sent to do. He's been sent to assassinate Hitler to try and stop World War Two. And yeah, this is the the scene where he does actually plug plug the the mustachioed twat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. Um, he's th- there's this montage of him of Aidan Turner's version of Calvin Barr going about all over the gaff, isn't he? He's he's hang- hitchhiking and boating. And this is after the Russian geezers give him a crisp dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a nice German <laughs> Shepherd to blend. Uh, in a yeah, bit more. lovely. Um, He's on a train that arrives um, and it's been loaded up with POWs and he's going in the opposite direction. It's it's really poignant. And for me, it bolsters his resolve because we know yeah. where he's going now. He's on his way to, to kill Hitler, isn't he? Um, who seems to be arrive, uh, residing at some lovely fascist country club? Mar-a-Lago, I think. It's Anyway, Hitler's at the fire. Um, he does the Zeke Heyer thing, and he's got. So this is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> this is outrageous. Like a Hitler uh, youth rallying. <laughs> Yo, and tonally, on one side, are we pro? Are we against? <laughs> totally more off than this movie. Um, but uh, Hitler's at the fire, and he does a lovely fingers crossed behind the back when he does the salute. Um, yeah. And it's an Uncle Sam in an envelope that he gives to Hitler, yeah. uh, saying his country needs you. And before we know what's happened, ba-bam, Hitler's been shot in the double chest and head. Yeah. yeah, double tap. I love that. They just sort of throw it away, don't they? They yeah. just go, right, yeah. That, it is very thrown away. Like, it's yeah. just... Because we're not that far into the movie at this point, either. Half an hour yeah. in, yeah. 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 
Um, and one half of the promised deaths in the <laughs> title uh, is done. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he's on a date back home, and um, his fiance fiance is there, Caitlin Fitzgerald, who's absolutely lovely in this film. Yeah, uh, my wife came down at one point. She's like, "Oh, what are you watching? It sounds really romantic. Can I show I watch it with you?" I said, "I don't. You can if you like." I said, "Well, what's <laughs> it about?" I said, "Well, it's about a guy who kills Hitler and then the Bigfoot." <laughs> She's like, "What? Why? Why? <laughs> what?" Why does it sound so romantic? I said, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. You, you should see it. this film's tone. <laughs> uh, and she really wants to marry uh, Calvin Barr. She wants him to pop the question. And he's there holding the ring. Yeah. He's ready to do it. And it's this stupid, you know, and, and or, as men, we're qualified to say this, but stupid male pride getting in the way all the time, you know. Just go ahead and do it, man. Well, you know? now, I, I would put it down to the fact that he keeps getting interrupted by what can only be described as uh, a bunch of c***s. <laughs> 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 there's, like there's like a guy, isn't he, with like two girls on his arm, he walks into the yeah. table and then blames him for his table being in the way. What does he say to him? He <laughs> says something absolutely outrageous to him. Yeah, move he? your table, man. It's getting in the way of everything. He's like, it's like, oh, no, I've got it. Yeah, it's hit. It's move your table, table. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Is that, is that uh, entirely necessary? I thought everyone was nice in the 30s. No, no, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, absolute madness, this. Uh, and then, oh, uh, some kid's teacher comes along and the dad yeah. macks on Caitlin Fitzgerald. It's it's very unhelpful. Yeah, bit weird with his wife right next to him and he's trying to crack onto the kid's teacher. It was the 30s. What we should stress as well at this point, this is a flashback before he killed Hitler, so it's a flashback within a flashback. It's bloody more complicated than Inception, this. I didn't know. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Flashback within a flashback. What was that Ethan Hawke one we watched? Predestination. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Predestination with Hitler and Bigfoot. That's what this film is called. Uh, um, And then we fast forward back again to Calvin Barr is asleep. Uh, Older Calvin Barr is asleep in his apartment when the door, there's a knock on the door in the middle of the night. um, And I, for me... Business just picked up with this scene. I really like this scene around the table with lovely Ron Livingston smashing it with his lovely soft face. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I just, I, I really like it. So this is when the feds come and they tell um, Calvin that they've got one last mission for him. Yeah. Because, um, and this is all played so straight. I, yeah. And I love the fact that it's played like this. Because what they're saying is absolutely ludicrous. But they yeah, all just... It's absolutely bonkers. But when anyone says... The word Bigfoot in a film, I'm suddenly very, very happy (laughs) and loving this film times a million. So (laughs) they basically, they tell him that um, uh, they know he's some sort of, you know, he's um, a a sort of a legendary assassin from World War Two. That's all they know, really know about him. But they know they've been sent. It's like a myth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ron Livingston has been told stories by his dad about this or his grandfather or whatever. And... um, you, you get the sense that, you know, they don't really know what Calvin Barr's all about. Um, and they tell Barr that, right, you your mission is you have to go and kill the cause of this biological disease that's sweeping across North America. And if you don't, it's probably going to take out all of mankind. Um, so, yeah, you've got to go and save the world again. 
Um, yeah, a pandemic wasn't something that I was looking for in this film. To be yeah, yeah, honest. suddenly <laughs> this film has got even more than you expected. Um, and it's, yeah, Bigfoot is the sort of like patient zero of this. This is a sick biological bacteria thing that's killing everybody. And they've got like a, a lockdown zone surrounding this forest that they've got yeah. Bigfoot located in. And it's absolutely bonkers that this is happening. And I love it. Yeah. Because they're asking him because he's only one of three people who are immune or something like that, isn't it? And the other two are dead or something like that. Like that. Yeah. He's the only person they can get yeah. to go into this Quite fortunate. quarantine yeah. zone and, um, and, and kill him. But just before this scene, I don't know whether I'm reading too much into this, but just before this scene, after we, we have that flashback of the, the nice romantic dinner with, him, with his fiancée, we cut back to Calvin and he's just, he just looks like he's had enough and he's got this like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule thing of medication and he and he bins it all. Yeah. And then would these G-men come in and, and tell him this ludicrous story. Yes. So Yes, I forgot about is that. from this point on not happening. Oh, that is very interesting. And because this is a it's a nice little art house picture, um, it might be accurate. I don't know, because when I saw that, I was like, oh, right, so he's going to be dead then if he's not taking his <laughs> Well, can you imagine, like, the final flashback is just him <laughs> slumped in a chair, dead. <laughs> but yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably reading too much into that. But yeah. look, I mean, it's absolutely on. possible with everything else that's going on in this first 40 minutes. <laughs> it's completely possible and plausible in this world of this film. But um, yeah. I mean, they have a huge discussion with... Uh, he has a huge discussion with Ron... Livingston done it. It lasts about five minutes. This yeah. this kitchen table scene, doesn't it? Um, and basically, he talks about him as this mythical figure who assassinated Hitler, uh, and then it was covered up uh, by the U.S. government. Because what Sam Elliott, uh, Calvin Barr, posits is that basically he killed the actual Hitler, and then they just put a flunky in Hitler cosplay <laughs> out there and. Mm. Basically, all he did was killed uh, was killed a man, but his uh, hateful ideology had already spread like wildfire. And so now it's making a comment on the rise of far right and hate speech. And this is a movie about Bigfoot. What is going on? Like, I mean, it, it, we, I think the speech he gives um, it's about, incredible. about him shadowing the Reich is, yeah. is super, and he's brilliant. Yeah, because yeah. we're just not fixed on close up on him, aren't we? And he just looks so tormented. Um, yeah. And there's that line that day I just killed a man. What his words words stood for was unstoppable. Yeah, it, it's. I just think it's brilliant. And again, it's a, it, that take on history that he's so. You know, again, as as filmmakers, they're all so invested in this world. They've created this alternate history. I just love the fact they've gone for it like this. They've just absolutely gone for it. Yeah, I I love this bit. And I love like the conversation between the three of them. So it's Ron Livingston, Sam Elliott, and then there's a Canadian representative Maple as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah it's because... Ray from Shit's Creek. <laughs> He's the realtor in Shit's Creek. <laughs> Riz, Rizwan Manji. Yeah. Yes, Rizwan Manji. So he, so they're having this conversation, but it's it's all between Flagpin and Calvin Barr because he has an idea of who Calvin Barr is, whereas mm. the Canadian, Canadian guy has no idea. Because obviously, being Canadian, he's not privy to that information. So they're having this conversation, and he's just in the middle, going, "I have no idea what you two are talking about." <laughs> and that conversation between—it's so good, <laughs> like the it pair of great. them, uh, yeah. proper staring each other down, and he's just like, 
what's the point in doing this? Because I supposedly killed the most dangerous man in the world and it didn't make one lick of difference yeah. because they just carried on anyway. Yeah. yeah. And just say the, this idea that it was, uh, the, you know, the like when po- like the, the, the rumour that Paul McCartney died in the 60s <laughs> and they just did surgery on some dude and from then on this Paul McCartney is a fake Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> uh, again, <laughs> it's, it's commitment to this mad theory that, that, and again, it's the performances too. The performances yeah. are great in this scene. I love this so scene. Good, yeah. uh, and for me, it, uh, the, um, this is the scene of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you either, in, you're investing in this now or you're getting off this crazy train <laughs> going yes. doing something else. <laughs> like watching The Notebook for the hundredth time. I don't know. Same era? Not the same era? Don't know. What an awful film. Anyway. <laughs> Not the same era. Not, I, I don't know. I, I, you know. Uh, anyway, um, he's constantly reaching out to his brother because he gets up in the middle of the night, calls him, and then pulls the phone down. And his brother calls him back and he says, did you just call me? He's like, yep. <laughs> if, so, if my brother called me in the middle of the night and put the phone down on me, I would not ring him back. I would just be like, he's drunk, he's doing something. I, I probably wouldn't speak to him for three weeks after. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> and he says, um, this is where he tells, sorry, yeah, do, they do something. He, do, he tells his brother that they've asked him to go and kill Bigfoot, <laughs> which is such a great, you know, his brother just takes it so like, oh, yeah. oh, right. <laughs> With his sincere round eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because he initially says no, doesn't he, before he goes to see his brother sort of turns him round to him. Because you get the sense that he's quite estranged from his brother. Like, he's, they yes. don't really have a relationship anymore. And uh, there's a really sweet flashback where he's about to leave to do his mission. And oh, yeah. his younger brother comes out. He's, he's obviously a lot younger than him because he's a proper young kid in the flashback. Mm. And he, he gives him a little dinosaur, doesn't he? And says, like, I'm giving He's you still this. dressed like a lovely Pillsbury Doughboy back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then he's obviously reconnected with his with his brother, and um, j- j- you know, while he's trying to make this decision whether to go and kill Bigfoot and save the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go to the dead zone, which is <laughs> again, I just love it. It's just bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. What's it going on? It is bonkers because if he fails this mission and Bigfoot escapes from this dead zone. <laughs> American government are going to bomb the shit out of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe some of the phrases that we've said in this. (laughs) You know, but this film is giving us this platform. Um, He gets to, you know, they do all the little checks on him. He waves them all off. He's in like a lovely little get up before he's going out into the field. Flagpin offers him the choice of weapons. And this is where that, this next really uneven sort of editorial tone shift happens isn't yeah. it with this they crash zoom crash zoom crash zoom and then it's yeah. like the way it's a tooling up sequence yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the tooling up sequence yeah that gun that scope this knife that's it crash zoom <laughs> you know, like, yeah. whoa you know are we in is this Fast and Furious you know yeah. <laughs> like, no 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 it's not this is much better filmmaking than that. sorry no no no, no. I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking um, we love you Fast and Furious and James Wong um and then we we cut to he's no sorry there's a brilliant shot where he's staring out at the fire walking into it with a guy in a hazmat suit yeah. as he's literally about to wander off into the flame grilled woods to go and hunt Bigfoot. <laughs> the only thing I wanted was I wanted to see every bit of this him tracking down the Bigfoot. But what we actually cut to is through the scope Bigfoot's head pop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
20 minutes of the film uh, got accidentally deleted and no one noticed. <laughs> and, and all the stuff I wanted to see. I want to see you, you know, mucking around with Bigfoot's poop, tracking him. I suppose we do get that stuff. We do get that, yeah. And it turns out Bigfoot's a vegetarian, apparently. Yeah, yeah. cocky reveal. Another brilliant reveal. <laughs> it's not the most shocking reveal of the entire movie. Well, that Bigfoot shocking is a plot vegetarian. twist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and Big, but Bigfoot doesn't go down after being shot in the head. No, which I enjoyed that too. Absolutely. So then he has to chase him up a mountain, doesn't he? And this, the whole the film is like it's almost like quite meta in the way that it comments on itself. Like it's sort of deconstructing folklore, isn't it? Throughout, mm. like he doesn't even have big feet. Like so, he's not living up to his reputation, which is almost a comment on it on the film itself because it's totally so different from what you are expecting <laughs> yeah. the movie to be, given the title. And it, there is a whole deconstruction of American folklore going on here. There's some really lofty ambitions uh, from the filmmakers here. It's proper swing for the fences stuff. I don't know how successful all of it is, but I certainly appreciated the effort. Mm. I, I agree. I agree. I, the fact that it's gone here. And we've had this movie, and now we've got an elderly man chasing Bigfoot in the forest. Oh, and he's he's like like the saddest looking Bigfoot you've ever seen in your life. He's like lanky and sort of like emaciated and minged out. Oh, he's horrible. He's like Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, the smack years, basically. (laughs) 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 Ain't got no change, man. (laughs) He he looks so strung out, this Bigfoot. Because he's a vegetarian. He's <laughs> Is that going around to all the elk? I'll suck your dick for some kale. <laughs> no. But obviously we know that Barr has binned all his, his medicine, so he's got nothing for him. I got nothing, man. I got nothing. Um, the, everything's dying here terribly because of this disease thing. You know, all the yeah. stags are dead mangy and all this. Um, he's there's a big mountain that you know he's tracking Bigfoot up to. He climbs it up with a broken finger, which is brilliant. He sets he resets it himself, doesn't he? The the minging finger thing. Yeah, I've just realised yeah. why he's so skinny and vegetarian is because he's got no animals to eat, has he? They've all died. I've totally just clocked that. That's oh, why he's could he so not have chinned one of them minging stags? <laughs> well, they're, they're all horrible and green, aren't they? And yeah, he, he's, he's not looking not too sure. great himself, to be honest. <laughs> Um, it's it's one of the funniest bits in this film when he lies down in a in in that little lovely craggy peak, and he's just lying there. He's got a lovely little fire, and an owl comes to see him, and he says hello, and the owl flies <laughs> off, and he says goodbye. <laughs> and, that's and then he and then he puts the little toy Brachiosaurus yeah. on, on the edge of the cliff, and they do this big <laughs> focus puddle, and it looks like it's a shot from Jurassic Park. <laughs> It's great. It's absolutely great. Um, and he's, yeah, while he's doing this, he's asleep and there's um, a flashback time. Oh, um, God, again. He's gone home. <laughs> and uh, after, this is after whacking Hitler and um, he's, list, he's he's gone back and he's reading all these letters that, uh, what's Caitlin Fitzgerald's character called? Maxine. Uh, sorry. Maxine, sorry, yeah. Maxine has left. And um, she'd been sending him letters for years, but he'd never got them. Yeah. And he was too proud to read them again and find her. And he just bins them all, quite literally, and <laughs> listens to the bin men empty the bin full of letters is so harrowing. And there's a tear rolls down his cheek as he's lying. Oh, dear, it's absolutely awful. 
the cost of his duty, the cost of his male pride again. Oh, it's robbed him. This whole story of his of his lost love is really heartbreaking and it makes yeah. me really sad. And I think it's really like sweetly done. It is, yeah. Because he's a good bloke, isn't he? Like you get yeah. a lot of instances during the film which shows that he's a good man. And he was just madly in love with her and she was madly in love with him, but it never happened because yeah. he had to murder Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I would say about this film is every single scene is really well done. It's just the relation that the scenes have to each other. It's like everyone just banged it into the avid, right, and hit shuffle, and then they put the movie out. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, then he catches up with Bigfoot. And he's dying oh, I, and I, thought, I was almost I was almost in tears laughing at this point. I was like, he's gonna get to the top of the mountain <laughs> because of the way the tone of the film is <laughs> Bigfoot's just gonna be dead. Like there's gonna be no fight at all. Because <laughs> I was imagining, like, I've obviously pegged it by this point, we're almost an hour in. Uh pegged the point uh that it's basically not even trying to live up to the title that it's put forward because you no. couldn't possibly do it, not on this on this budget level. So it's just going to keep subverting it. And I'm going to, I was just thinking, he's going to get to the top of this mountain and Bigfoot's just going to be there dead. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, there's, and there's no fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he does catch him, he's, he's like, he's binging there like... <sighs> you feel a bit sorry for him initially. You do, you? and he puts his hand in Bigfoot's. It's lovely. I love it. Like, and um, they, yeah, it, it, you know, and it dies there and then. And um, it looks absolutely awful. You know, like, eyes <laughs> so are all disgusting. milky. It's, his nose is gone. It's just a disgusting state. And um, he puts his hand in it, yeah, and, and he builds a funeral pyre for this sicko. And it wakes him up. And he's not yes. dead. And then we get... He is not happy. Uh, and then... We get what could only be described as one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen <laughs> in the film. I, oh my god, this movie is bananas. Are you ever, have you seen dra- like Drag Me to Hell, where yes, just yeah. disgusting moment after disgusting moment? This just trumped all of that movie with this one bit. <laughs> this one ninety-second moment that everybody who queued this up to stream. Tuned in for yeah, because he's, he's more like a mummy, isn't he? Rather oh, than a bigfoot, he just looks disgusting. He's like an unbounded mummy. Yeah. That's how horrible he looks. And then he proper does Wade Garrett in, doesn't he? Roadhouses him and breaks his eyes. <laughs> Quite efficient for a bigfoot. Yeah, <laughs> right on the joint. Yeah, never bring a knife to a bigfoot fight. Yeah. <laughs> And then we're, should we do this bit? Because I, I actually think I might heave here. I'm like, I've got to get this because I've not got a great gag reflex. So I'm like, I'm a little bit worried about this. But so he, because um, someone else do it. <laughs> I don't think I can say what happens in the ruckus. They're having a bit of a ruckus, and then uh, he's broken his arm, and then they, they get into a bit of a tussle, and he, he manages to stab him and you know jab him a few, shiv him a few times. <laughs> And then, for some reason, I mean, I, I, I don't. Maybe this is what happens when you get shivved by Wade Garrett. But he just chucks up the most disgusting bile into, and it goes in his mouth and everything. His crisp hair and his lovely tash ruined. It looks like it wasn't supposed to go in his mouth because it oh, just it goes. He's just like what. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, it's so horrible. 
<laughs> I really, I can't. <clears throat> I cannot discuss this anymore. <laughs> And then we get a nice, like, a, a lovely silhouette shot, um, and he reluctantly, finally shoots and kills Bigfoot. Yes, thank you. And then we see him sort of sit next to him on top of the on, on top of the mountain. Yeah, we get the impression that he's he's just gonna stay there to die himself, like he's had enough. Yeah, he he says to Bigfoot just before he ices him, "I didn't want this." Like he can comprehend it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I definitely didn't want the vomit in my mouth. Mate. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what he was referring to. Like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want this. You disgusting man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I do like that. The, the, I'm struggling to talk about, it, but I do like the frantic nature of the scrap between Bigfoot yeah. and Elliot. I did like it. It's like proper man versus beast. Really enjoyed all that stuff. The prison rules chiv in was ace. The vomit. <laughs> I'm going to gloss right over it. Dead quick. Um, it was absolutely heinous, um, and then I like the, the the suggestion that they're both dying, and then it it's lovely doughboy funeral time. Right, this is getting out of hand now. <laughs> well, we, we get his funeral, and this is the first, this is the bit where I'm like, oh, it's in the eighties because on his grave it says nineteen eighty seven, and I was like, oh, oh so what he said? Oh, yeah, my word, that, this was that. the this was the only bit, and I was like, oh, is it in the eighties? And I was like, why why is it set in the eighties? But James made a valid point before; it's probably to add up for the ages of the. Characters of when yeah, he was yeah. in World War Two, where he is now, because if it was like modern day, he'd be about what like hundred and four or something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's quite a, an understated performance at the funeral from Larry. Yeah, he gives quite a nice speech. He he suggests that um, that his brother uh, was in love with Maxine, which we know. He was, yeah, but that she died early. So, do we know if that's true or not, or if that's just something that his brother told him? I just don't know. I mean, is this still the maniac timeline, alternate timeline, where perhaps Calvin Barr is dead? You know, oh no, he is. Well, he is. He's supposed to be in the grave. I don't know. No idea anymore. It might have been. It might have been in that twenty minutes. What fell out the edit? (laughs) It might have been in there. Yeah. You know, perhaps there's a lost subplot of where Maxine's actually the tooth fairy. This film could have, could have this no problem. Yeah. Um, and he unfortunately had to behead her because she... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she, she also vomited in his mouth as well, just to make sure we've got all bases covered. Then we get, uh, you know, Larry's gone fishing. Then he's back. And he's back. A lovely little subcategory of uh, injury wounds here, which I, I always love a bandaged ear. Lovely bandaged <laughs> yes, yeah, ear in the movie. Yeah. Did you see it in the fight? Bigfoot ripped it off. Oh yeah, he did. He ripped, oh, it, yeah, he ripped his did ear Did he make Foley in? Yeah, because he chipped it away, <laughs> didn't he? That, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the cartilage just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Amongst all the other things that went blah, blah, in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed it in the frenzy. <laughs> yeah. And the chivvy frenzy. Like, bashed him in the ear. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lovely little moment when he gives his brother back his little dinosaur, and he's yeah. like, all these years. Oh, yes. yeah. I mean, why is what I didn't understand is he goes to he does that at the the, the play, the sort of like the the village. Oh play yes, or it's the, the play, play. Isn't it? yeah. yeah, yeah. And but isn't everyone else like on the row? Like, isn't that isn't that Calvin Barr? Uh, this is <laughs> bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Like he's just going to go back and live in this town that he's just been buried in. But after this, he goes back to his house and just turns the lights on and, like, he's just, oh, yeah. What? It may have done, like, a castaway where he comes back and they're like, oh, shit, oh, uh, yeah, so... 
It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, we're letting so much ride here. Um, but he asks uh, Larry, you know, Larry, did you, the thing under my bed, did you put it there? And no, it's not a stack of penthouses. It's the box. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. a stack of penthouses. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. He said, I thought you'd find comfort with that being <laughs> buried with your smut. <laughs> Dirty old man. <laughs> Do you have my cachet of dwarf porn? Did you bury me? <laughs> As I requested in my will. No, yes, he... I thought it would give you comfort. <laughs> I, I think it definitely is blue mags because <laughs> when he tells him... You didn't bury the box as well, did you? And well, yeah, I thought it'd give you comfort. He was, he's absolutely outraged. He's like, <laughs> he's, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's That's okay. the one good thing I had in my life. Is <laughs> <laughs> my jazz mags under the bed. <laughs> well, and then I mean, just to make sure we're in Maniacville, <laughs> just for the last time, he rips off his <laughs> sling and with a click, like, <sighs> and then picks up a, a shovel and out out to the cemetery he goes and digs up his grave, his own grave, to retrieve the box. Yeah. As he's leaving the grave, having grave robbed himself, which is not something you can say too often in movies, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's leaving and he still doesn't look in it or anything like that. You know, he yeah. suggests to the dog he's going to look in it, but we never find out what's in there. Still haven't got a clue. Um, and then, yeah, away we go. He's walking off and then it's the... The the stone in his shoe. It, yes. This has been running thing of a stone in his shoe right the way through the film, and he finally gets it out. And he says something like, huh, well, it's finally out. And what was the stone in the shoe? Metaphors. <laughs> yeah, there is a big metaphor, yeah. So according to the IMDb trivia, the stone in the shoe was Hitler slash Bigfoot. Bigfoot was an analogy for Hitler in that nothing was gained by killing Hitler because the Nazi ideal, disease, continued to spread, hence his regret. But in killing Bigfoot, he halted the spread of the disease, saving millions. Billions. So... Did did he kill Bigfoot then? (laughs) And if he didn't kill Bigfoot, what happened to his ear and arm? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have no answers. I don't think the film knows the answers. I, I would do anything to find out what is in Calvin Barr's box for real. You know, I'd love to know what's in there. Oh, it'd haunt you. You'd never be the same afterwards. <laughs> That's why he's so filled with regret, really. He's got nothing to do with killing Hitler. He's <laughs> carrying around a box of <laughs> absolutely awful materials. Are they, are they not his missus' letters? No, he binned them all. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. They all got thrown in a bin. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were uh, letters. No, I think there is. I have typed in what is in Calvin Barr's box on um, the internet, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and got you know didn't get much in response. You know, but it's yeah. a genuine thing ah. that people want to know. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> What's in the box? It's not not someone's head. Um, it probably is her head. What, like, it's quite a thin <laughs> box. <laughs> But we know it's not his medals. He keeps his medals um, in a like yeah. a button jar. Well, let's throw also. this out to listeners. What is in Calvin Barr's yes, box? Yes, listeners, please get in touch. <laughs> what is in Calvin Barr's box? So, yeah, thus endeth the movie with some lovely yeah. music and a lovely crane shot. Best bits. Gents, what have you got? I mean, there's so much to pick from because it's all, it's absolutely mental. 
I mean, for me, I think that sit down with Ron Livingston and Ray from Schitt's Creek when they're talking about Bigfoot and his uh, and Calvin Barr's past. It's the best acted scene in the movie, and Sam Elliott is incredible in that scene. And yeah. then just all the random like B movie touches, which are completely not in keeping with the tone of the rest of the film, <laughs> but are quite well done. So yeah, when he's going up to kill Bigfoot, that gun, that scope, this yeah. knife. Crash Zoom, that's it. I mean, yeah, that's proper <laughs> Friday night B movie filmmaking, isn't I mean, it? That's, so... that's Wade Garrett turning up at the double deuce, isn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't just what you mean. What about you, Sai? Well, my favourite thread of the whole film was the relationship with his with Maxine. I thought it was a really good romantic movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doomed romance. But the when he's having dinner uh, and he's trying to propose, I just thought that was a really good scene and you got a real sense of the type of man Calvin was during that meal. He was a sweet guy who was just madly in love with this woman and just all these things kept happening to stop him doing what he wanted to do and I just thought that scene was really great. And all the bits with Aidan Turner and Caitlin Fitzgerald, who incidentally are now a couple after meeting on this movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Poor American. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I, I loved all those bits. I thought they were really, really good. I also liked the weird little mon- Evil Dead style montage in his garage just before he goes to dig his own grave. You know, <laughs> it goes like, you know, cuts to him taking his sling off and taking the bandages off. And, and it's all like, yeah all these crash zooms again and him getting a shovel off the wall. It was all very evil dead. I quite like that yeah. little, again, like the title of the movie, but not like the rest of the movie. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm going to go with that that five-minute sequence in the woods with Bigfoot. Um, I know it's a sequence, and I don't know whether it's not really a best moment, but the best moment for me is, yeah, you you kind of said the ones that I'm thinking of. Definitely this gun, this scope, this knife, that's it, is superb. Um, again, tonally doesn't, quite you know it's one of those leap off moments and but i'm in a very i'm very forgiving when a movie's got bigfoot in the title so um we can have that um also um yeah i like the bigfoot poop bit the poop design was really cool (laughs) poop design i'll be academy award winner uh, douglas trumbull doing that And the award for best poop goes to... <laughs> yes. Best poop from a mythical creature goes to... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just... I find it hard to nail down one moment because I really, actually, really enjoyed it. So It's like yeah. 17 movies in one, isn't it? it so is, if you're not yeah, enjoying the just... particular scene, a brand new movie will be along in two minutes. Yeah, don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. And, and anything is possible in this world, essentially. Um, but no, I, I think... Anything to do with the Bigfoot is right in there for me as being very enjoyable. And I like the design of the Bigfoot too. Really like that. A bit of a, um, a unique take, you know, not like a hulking broad yeah. behemoth, but a really lanky, mangy critter that just could do with being dead, really. Oh, Thank you yeah. very much. Horrible, really. Horrible yeah. Um, so, FYR for your reconsideration, gentlemen, what are we giving it? Um, so, you know, as we've sort of touched on here, it's a real mishmash of tones and genres that isn't always successful in achieving its lofty ambitions. But despite its shortcomings, I did find myself engaged throughout, thanks mainly to Sam Elliott's magnetic central performance and the fresh take and subversion of American folklore. I, I think it's a fascinating curio and director Robert D. Krizkowski 
uh, shows a lot of promise. So on that basis, I would say it's definitely worth a look. Just don't go in expecting the schlocky B-movie with tons of action uh, that the outrageous title suggests because it's really quite a morose movie. And if you go in with expectations of like just carefree Friday night, I mean, it is bonkers, but not in a straightforward kind of way. Mm. I think you'll be disappointed if you go in and expecting sort of a grindhouse type Bigfoot adventure movie. Yes. But I, I, you know, I found it engaging. So if you're interested in, in weird movies and you happen to be looking for something on Netflix, then, then go for it. <laughs> That's great to hear. What, what about you, Sai? Yeah, I just what a strange, uh, what a strange little movie. Um, when it gets it right, it's so, it's really interesting and really good. I think um, I I love Sam Elliott. He's so good as this resigned, lost, and lonesome soul uh, with this really you know secretive and intriguing past. And I think Aidan Turner plays that past really well as well. I think he's great in that role. I think the flashbacks are really great in a storytelling sense, and without doubt, the strongest bit of the film in terms of the narrative, you've got Sam Elliott's amazing performance in the modern day stuff, but then the story are the best in the flashback moments, I think. I love the mission to assassinate Hitler. I think it's really good. Valkyrie 2, he refers to it as. Um, (laughs) And then the bits with his romance with his one true love, Maxine, played by Kellyanne Fitzgerald, is just so sweet and so lovely. And I just, I got so much out of those moments as well. But then we get this Bigfoot thing and I'm just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the tone is a little all over the place um really as it feels like it's restraining itself on being this b-movie grindhouse film that you'd think you'd be getting from a film with a title called the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot when in reality it's quite it's actually quite a deep and moving story of love loss and finding purpose in a world filled with evil and yeah, I think going into a film with this title, you're just not going to expect to see that thing. So it, it throws, you know, when you're like eating something and your head thinks you're eating, you're about to eat something else, but you, yes. you get it wrong and you go, oh, oh, and it's all a bit weird. It's kind of like that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not the film I was expecting at all, but it's very original and ultimately a lovely little movie, I thought. Um, I just wish they would have called it something else so it didn't uh, ruin it a bit. I love those takes, fellas. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, and I'm relieved as well because uh, when I text you guys to say, what did you think, what did you think, you, you both said, I'm going to reserve judgment till we're on air. And I was like, oh, my God, they hate it. Still processing. It. I had to watch yeah, Twitter. Still processing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this had me from the title. I mean, straight away, as a man who loves alternate histories and who loves mythology and cryptozoology, not because I necessarily believe in it, but just because I love the stories, I'm immediately going to dig this. Um, and it, it definitely, the title does not match what you get at all. I don't think there's any denying that at all, but it gets you through the door. Um, mm. The title, though, as much as it doesn't really, as it promises one thing, it actually delivers <laughs> on, in a very literal sense. It actually pro- delivers on the promise of the title. That said, yes, I think narratively it could do with... Um, I would have liked a little bit of streamlining in the flashbacks, I think, a little bit. But I think any type of film that goes into it with this as its central ambition is 
I mean, it's swinging for the fences immediately. And I'm going to go along with that straight away. Um, it's bold. It's unique. It's original. That word has been said. It is a little slow in parts, thanks to its narrative structure and the sort of the general moroseness of the tone. But I think what it's aiming for and the message that it's aiming for, it gets right. And the fact that it manages to do this in a film about killing Hitler and Bigfoot, <laughs> it's pretty special. Um uh, yeah, I, I love. I, I echo all the points you guys have made. Sam Elliott is absolutely sensational in this. I think Calvin Barr, um, as a cinematic creation and as a character, is a brilliant one. Actually, I think he really is. Um, <clears throat> and I would love alternate universe versions of what Calvin yeah, Barr. Yeah, what can we get him to kill next? Do? Yeah, <laughs> what, what else did he kill? You know, was he on the Titanic? You know, <laughs> he, you know what did he kill the iceberg? I've got no idea. It's it's uh, yeah, whatever happens. But this really is a lovely film about a man coming to terms with the cost of his actions and what he threw away thanks to a slavishness to duty, pride, and Bigfoot. And it has a major Bigfoot vomiting in an old man's mouth. Oh, God. It really has something for everybody. So, yeah. I think that's the trifecta. So, yeah. FYR, go and see uh, the man who... Oh, I don't have to say it again, do I? The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Um, because it really is quite interesting. Rob, can yeah. I ask how many Bigfoot movies have you got on the slate for this podcast? <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for more, James. Do you have any others? <laughs> no, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and step back because there aren't that many really good ones. There is one by Bobcat Goldthwaite uh, called Willow Creek, which is very right. very good, um, and that's um, Blair Witch meets the Bigfoot legend, and that is excellent actually. Um, so I'll have to see if yeah, it is actually. I'll have to see if that qualifies. But I don't know whether I'm allowed. It's a bit like Nick Cage and Van Damme. I don't know whether I'm allowed another Bigfoot yeah, movie. Like, for we a might while. need a Bigfoot hiatus. <laughs> yeah, we might have to revisit in the new year. So don't go watch that. Thing is, it's on free on Prime at the minute though. So in the Hall of Fame, we've got uh, Van Damme, Cage, and Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Stallone, and then and Stallone, Stallone yeah. after Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously the Sheriff Mick is just above them all with like a gavel in the court, like yeah. silence, <laughs> order in the order in the benches. Oh dear! Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Um, whose pick is it next week? Oh, it's mine. Oh, what have you got for us? Uh, I am going back to a pre-MCU Robert Downey Jr. and his return pretty much to leading man status in mainstream movies. And we're doing Shane Black's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I am really looking forward to that. With Batman in it as well. Brilliant. Yeah, Val Kilman's back on the pod. Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, well, brilliant. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining me tonight, fellows. It was great to be back with you in the the virtual pod booth. Um, And I look forward to when next we meet. Um, Join us next time for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Please keep tuning in and uh, listening to us everywhere and giving us five stars that's what we ask for isn't it, it and is. also send us some emails at reconsiderpod at gmail.com I really nearly gave out my own email address <laughs> which is almost totally absurd um, and yeah join us on the Twitters uh, at FYR Film Pod uh, we're really loving having a chit chat with you guys um, and uh, oh can I say that again I said guys are you allowed to say guys yeah yeah alright let's leave it at that <laughs> oh, um, say goodbye boys bye 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 uh, I'm about to go and cleanse myself because I can't get the chunks from that vomit out of my head oh my now. God. It was so horrible and brown. When you go say cleanse yourself, you're going for a big green Bigfoot poo. <laughs> <laughs>